All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Pastor Conrad. Thank you so much for taking the time, um, you know, away from your ministry to talk about the church, the doctrine of the church, um, ecclesiology. Um, you know, my first season in my podcast, I've been trying to um, lay out the foundations of ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, because mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite topics personally to me. Um, you know, I cannot stop thinking about you know, the church and everything that's, you know, folded into that beautiful doctrine, that beautiful body of Christ, right? The called out ones. And, you know, but before we get started, I would like to go ahead and give you the opportunity, um, Pastor Conrad, to go ahead and introduce yourself, um, who you are, what you do, what you're engaged in. Just give us a, a little bit of information of who you are so my audience who are not familiar with you, they could get to know you on, on, on like a two or three minute introduction all right thank you very much uh thanks for the opportunity to be on your podcast uh first of all as you pointed out my name is conrad mbewe uh, i'm zambian born and bred here in um the central african country um i my dad was a teacher my mom was a nurse and um that's how we grew up and uh, most of my life has been within the capital city of uh, Lusaka. Uh, I came to Christ at the end of my high school days and uh, going into university where I studied mining engineering. And it was while I was studying mining engineering that I began to sense God's call to the ministry. Uh, I sought counsel, thinking that perhaps the best would be for me to quit my mining studies in order to go and study uh, theology uh, for pastoral ministry. But the person who counseled me asked me to just continue, finish, and then see how the Lord would lead. So that's how I was involved in ministry to students while I was a university student. And um, through that, I became the primary leader of the evangelical student group at university, and then also became the primary leader of the whole student Christian student movement, evangelical Christian movement across Zambia as a student. Um, then I went to work in the mines. I worked for three years, and it was at the end of the third year that Kabwata Baptist Church called me to come and be their pastor. If I could backtrack a little bit, I was involved in starting this church together with others when I was a university student. And then I left for three years to work in the mines. That church now matured to the point where they needed a pastor. And then they called me in 1987. I've been there since then. The church has grown from about 35 individuals to 450, heading towards 500 individuals. Uh, that's what I've basically done for over 30 years, uh, getting close to 35 years. Um, I'm married. I've got a wife. Her name is Felistas. We've got six children, three adopted and three biological children. Um, they've all grown up, they've left home, they're now all working. So even as I'm speaking to you, 
um, I'm with my wife in this home and that is it. Uh, I also love writing. I'm a columnist here in Zambia for a weekly newspaper. I've been doing it since 1990, so that's uh, a few years, as you can imagine. Uh, I edit a magazine as well called Reformation Zambia. And um, what else? Yeah, I think generally, I, I preach around the world as well, uh, US quite a few times a year, and then Europe as well, within Africa, uh, South America as well. Uh, Asia, basically Australia, wherever I am invited, I preach there as well. But primarily, I pastor a church. I'm also involved with starting a university, the African Christian University um, that's going right now. Probably the most famous name among us is uh, Dr. Vodi Bokam. He works together with me in this university. Thank you. That's a little more, I think, than what you asked. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful story of how God was uh, leading, leading you, developing you, calling you into the ministry, you know, preparing you. Um, you know, God whispers to us sometimes in the busiest times of seasons, you know, like going to school, studying for, for uh, you know, big tests or something like that. And, and, and you know, God calls us to, to himself, Um you know, in the busiest moments of life, when we least expect it, just like when you were going to study, you know, mining, <laughs> uh, you know, so um, that that's a beautiful thing. Um, how God is blessing you, taking your church from, you know, a small mustard seed to, you know, a bigger tree. Right. That is yeah. a blessing. Um, that's fruitfulness. Right. So um, yeah. that is worthy of praise, and I praise God for that. That sounds good news. Vodi, I would love to interview Vodi. I, um, ha I had the privilege of meeting him several years ago at a homeschool conference um, not too far from where I am. Um, so I would love to not, uh, another opportunity to meet him um, again in the future and, um, you know, to talk to him about, you know, um, just basic updates on his ministry. But, you know, um, Pastor Conrad, you know, you have you've written a book on the church. And obviously, you've been a pastor at, at a church for many years now, almost my entire life, <laughs> actually a little <laughs> bit more my entire life. So so I'm assuming you have experience. I'm going to go ahead and just take it to the bank that you have experience, you have knowledge, you have um, insights on this subject on the church and and especially in a special place as in africa um you know in a continent that you know a lot of people just forget about you know here in america we don't think about africa as much you know um usually is mexico maybe canada maybe russia china that's basically what uh you know those are the top countries that is on our minds russia mexico canada um china you know, South Korea, North Korea, maybe, um, but, you know, Taiwan, maybe, but not Africa, not necessarily. That's not the first country that comes to mind every day to most Americans, right, especially in the American church. Um, and that's for many reasons. So if you can just give us a, a broad brush on, you know, the current condition in Africa, um, if you can just speak to it. Um, you know, speak to the church in Africa. See, tell us what's going on in Africa when it comes to the body of Christ. 
Yeah, well, um, when you think about the church in Africa, you you have to break it down into three camps, three, three uh, categories just help you think. Uh, one is we have the Arab North. That Arab North is largely Islamic. And consequently, the, uh, the, the church is under persecution. It's largely um, purified by persecution, but it's there. Um, churches get burnt, church leaders get killed, um, but the church as it is purified continues to march on. Um, people that are non-Christians in due season get converted and they pay a dear price for that. So that's one part of Africa. And then south of the Sahara, we can break down the church into two categories. Uh, you've got the church that is primarily in the, the urban areas, the cities. Then you also have the church which is in the rural areas, in the villages. Again, the dynamics are largely different. Uh, those that are in the cities would be more or less like the churches you have in the US. They, they comprise um, a lot of different tribes, different ethnic groups. They comprise people that are uh, fairly well-educated. And some of them, the churches, do have some level of, of wealth, although I'll still say struggle quite a bit because Africa is by and large a poor country. And so uh, the young people in those churches uh, tuned to what's happening in the US and around the world. They are on social media all the time. Uh, they know all the Paul Washers, the John Pipers, the John MacArthur's, and so on, you know, Steve Lawson. These are messages they are downloading on their cell phones. And, and so they know the current issues, uh, social justice issues and so on. They are quite aware. Uh, and so, I minister in that kind of context. Uh, you've got lawyers, doctors, engineers, um, and so forth that make up the membership. Some of them are high up within the, um, the ranks of the government and so forth. Some of them are chief executive officers in large corporations. Uh, but they are Christians seeking to live out the Christian faith. And then the other category quickly, is the in the village context there is normally a tribal language that is used rather than english french or portuguese and so on um and then also the the pastors normally would be um involved in agriculture to sustain themselves and so it's really a form of volunteer activity that keeps them going as pastors hardly any um, extra books other than the Bible, if they have a complete Bible, and so forth. So that's the kind of uh, context in which they live. Now, in the rural areas, the, their major battle is with um, syncretism. And generally, they're not even aware that they ought to be battling it. It's, uh, it's quite a mixture of Christianity and African traditional religions. In 
the more urban areas. It's it's the uh, the Western um, over privatized um, worldliness, if I could put it that way, that captures them, where they they tend to think that. Um, the more money they have, the more property they have, the happier they will be. Uh, so the materialism of the West is the major um, hindrance to their spiritual growth. So that's the way that I would put um, the African church. And then it's, it's perverted by an African form of the prosperity gospel. That's a major... Um, uh, difficulty that we are wrestling with. It's, it pervades uh, Christianity almost everywhere you go. And it, it, it looks like Christianity, but you just have to dig a little deeper and discover that it's, it's, it's really not. It's, uh, as I often refer to, it's sort of um, the African spirituality or spiritism really that has been baptized with a, a Christian face. So that's what I would say describes what we wrestle with here in Africa. And a lot of good is happening, by the way. Uh, so when I speak about the negative, um, there's also, the church is also marching on. So I'm, I'm one of those who's definitely encouraged. And I love the fact that um, I'm part of the church in Africa. It sounds like a blessing. It sounds like you're on the front lines of something that's about to happen there. It sounds like the population is ready, you know, to be reformed and transformed by the gospel. Um, you know, materialism, you know, kills a lot of things. It kills the, you know, into, I heard this from somewhere, um, you know, it's some pastor said before that in, the entertainment is the replacement of God's joy. You know, so, and, you know, a lot of people, like mm -hmm. you said, a lot of people are, are on the, you know, social medias um, and, and they become addicted. And, you know, all they want to do, all the young kids is, you know, on the television, um, you know, and then we, we're just like entertaining ourselves to death here in America. And it's, and it's surprising to hear that that's pretty much the same thing over there in Africa. Um, and then the materialism, you know, that America imports, you know, exports, should I say, um, you know, to Africa, it's definitely... Um, not helping the situation from what I hear. Um, but I would like to, um, you know, question you on the, on the optimism that you said that you have, um, because here in the United States, we are riding the wave of our former selves, if that makes sense, of, you know, the heritage, the pilgrim, you know, the pilgrims, the, the Puritans, you know, the, the Jonathan Edwards, you know, heritage that, you know, the deposit of faith that once was here in the United States, I guess we are writing that deposit, you know, and that deposit is running low. <laughs> it's running low. Um, and it's, yep. and it's, and it's starting to show morally in the culture, you know, and, and, and you have to be blind to not see it. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of like living in a house that's like um, mold do, you know, has, has mold, you know, and, yep. and then you keep ignoring it. You know, you keep ignoring the mold and then sooner or later you walk in the house and, and, and it's everywhere. It's all over the kitchen. It's all over the roof and you can no longer live in there. So, um, you know, the, the mold in America is starting to come out little by little and more and more. It feels like weeks in America right now. It feels like weeks are like decades 
if that makes sense. Because things are moving so fast. And America is, America right now, a lot of Christians are like, a lot of them are just negative. Like, oh, you know, persecution is going to come. Persecution is going to come. We're going to lose our rights. But it sounds like in Africa, it seems a little bit more optimistic to me. And I would like to shine the light on some of those success stories of the kingdom of God in Zambia. So if you can, just highlight some of those success stories of, of the kingdom of God in Zambia. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, um, the, the church in Africa is growing by leaps and bounds. I think that's the very first thing that one needs to say. Uh, I have mentioned uh, in this book, um, God's Design for the Church that uh, I wrote and, and it came out last year in October. So it's, it's not even a year old yet on the market. But I mentioned the fact that at the beginning of the 20th century, there were about 9 million Christians uh, on the continent, on the vast continent of Africa. Um, and by the end of the 20th century, there were about 380 million individuals professing faith in Christ. Now, granted, not all of them are genuine believers, but still, that's a remarkable uh, growth. And I would say that, yes, even now, as one speaks, you will find that uh, churches are starting all over the place. And these are not just in terms of actual church buildings, but you've got churches that are meeting in classrooms, in, in grass-thatched makeshift structures and under trees and so on. So there's a lot to be said positively for that. And then the other is the, the, the average age of individuals in the church. We have a lot of young people in the churches. And when I say young people, I don't just mean children. Uh, we do have children. <clears throat> but I also mean um, teenagers and, and young adults and, and young families and so forth um, that are within the churches. And, and so that speaks well for the future of the church when you uh, see that the church comprises uh, a lot of uh, young people in that sense. And then, apart from that, um, I think one also sees the zeal that is um, among the, the people, generally speaking, uh, within the context of the church. Perhaps part of it is that they don't have as many toys as the people in the West tend to have. But it's true that there is a lot of zeal and sadly it lack, largely lacks knowledge and part of it is simply that uh, they don't have rather we don't have as many bible colleges and theological um, seminaries as you might have in the western world and so it begins right at the top from the pastors going downwards that you find that there there is uh, a great need uh, for robust theological education and so forth. And that's one of the reasons why there is this mixture of the health and wealth gospel with uh, traditional uh, religious beliefs. And that's the hodgepodge that's uh, become the main form of religion 
on the continent. But by and large, I want to repeat, there, there is, um, the church is marching on and missiologists have stated that it won't be long before Africa becomes the major sending force of missionaries around the world. And one of the reasons why I wrote this book and wanted to be spread right across Africa is that by the time we're becoming a major missions force, it will definitely do us good if we know what the Bible says the church ought to be so that we are exporting something that is uh, in tune with God's mind in the New Testament. Wow, there's a lot to be said in that. Um, and that's good news because, you know, um, I did read a statistic that Africa is the youngest continent in the world with the where the average age is like 15 14 years old um you know and, yep. and that is you, you know yeah so that speaks to a lot because they are the future obviously natural law right they're going to get older we are um you know and they're going to take and replace us basically right so here in the u.s you know it seems in the, or not not just in the u.s but like canada um and very slowly in mexico um because that's my heritage um so like especially in Canada in uh, America people are having less and less children and that is starting to catch up to them do you know what i mean in terms of where yep. you have a yeah, lot I've of churches that, yeah yeah you, where where you have a lot of churches where there's a, like a lot of elderly people but there's no almost no kids you know what i mean you, you know what i mean and and then you add that to the to the people leaving the faith by the time they reach college age because of the secular professors you know, so you have the apostasy happening, and then you have churches, major denominations like the Lutherans, Episcopalians, Anglicans, you know, the Church of England, where they're, you know, they are aging really fast, and they don't have the birth rate, nor the, you know, the replacement rate just, just to replace them, you know. So, you know, I read a report mm. somewhere that say that the Church of England, if they continue this trend, they will disappear supposedly by 2033. And that's only like 11, 10 years from now, you know, and this is the church, you know, that the Puritans had impact, you know, from, you know, Jack Packer and stuff like that. So it's kind of like very interesting um, that, you know, the tables are seems to be switching there, you know. So um, going back to this, you know, pastor thing that you mentioned, pastors, they need to have robust, you know, um, discipleship, robust theology um, to be training the, you know, the future you know, in order to export the goods of the gospel, raising future leaders, as I as, as I mentioned briefly, like the Church of England, that can, that cannot even find future leaders within England. How important is it for um, churches to raise future leaders in house if they can? Yeah, well, one of the things that. Um... I also again address in this book, God's Design for the Church. Um, chapter 12 is entitled, Should Your Church Be Involved in Training Pastors? And uh, I think the bottom line, first of all, is that because a lot of our churches are struggling financially, they, they tend to, uh, to simply hope that there are pastors out there that they can therefore just pick on um, like low-lying fruits from a tree. And, um, you know, the best illustration 
is the the fact that you know in in our part of the world one of the the most common fruits is the mango fruit and basically as you pass through the rural parts of zambia these trees that may have grown because someone threw um the the mango seed onto the ground they, they basically have looked after themselves and so individuals just wait for the right season and they are the mangoes and the low-lying ones just pick and eat and enjoy themselves it's a it's a regular feature um around us here and that's the way in which one almost sees them reaching out for for pastors they they don't participate actively in contributing whatever little they can to ensure that uh, individuals are uh, committed with those with genuine experience in terms of pastoral ministry for years can now dedicate their final years to training the next generation of pastors uh, sponsoring that locally is is a very rare thing um, and also there's that in terms of churches running pastoral internship programs so that they they take budding preachers under their wings for a season and that out of that therefore they can see um future pastors being raised and going into a, a life of ministry so we are not doing enough and part of it as i said is financial but the other part is simply the lack of vision that we we shouldn't just be thinking in terms of ourselves as a church until our own pastor leaves then we start wondering where we can get one but that we should be with necessary beds that our churches should be necessary beds where pastors are being groomed and so forth so Perfect. yeah that's the yep. situation that we need to improve on thank you i totally agree um and that's a huge need it seems to be like that more the case where pastors are certainly feeling overwhelmed outnumbered i think that's 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 you know the case here because there's so many mega churches in the sense of just too many um too large to handle i guess i guess that's one problem um you know and then I, I have an episode on this where i talk about the church as a greenhouse where you're always raising up you know and fermenting mm -hmm. the gospel and raising up future leaders so when you when you have a greenhouse you know you you don't just um you know plant you know one plant you plant many plants you know what i mean yes and yes. in the church you you want to have future leaders you know what i mean so this goes into my next question actually um raise about raising future leaders is how do you find them you know how do you train them you know and what what is it like you know in zambia well um how hard is that in zambia well i mean it's definitely not hard uh, i think the major difficulty is um um what can i say the means by which they can be trained uh, but otherwise with so many churches and so many churches beginning all over the place you inevitably have um a crop of young people that are sensing god's call and just have no idea what to do 
Um, so it's it, the the problem is not where do we get the students. Um, I mean, my church, for instance, runs an internship program, and it grew out of necessity. Pastor internship program. So every year we have between four to six interns that spend a whole year with us, and then they go on to various forms of ministry. Most of them uh, get back to their churches, and then those churches send them out as um, missionaries or just as actual pastors uh, for churches that haven't had uh, pastors. Uh, so they are there, and uh, we, we don't have to, to dig too deep to find students that we can uh, train. As I said, the challenge is more the facilities to train them, and especially to, to, to ensure that, first of all, there is the training that is at grassroots level, where almost anybody can be trained, and then you want to ensure that you go all the way to the highest levels with um, masters in pastoral th uh, theology, maybe even doctorates and, and uh, PhDs, so that people are given the highest possible level of training, that they, they are stretched to the maximum, that they can be the St. Augustines of the 21st century in Africa. That's really what we we need to uh, to accomplish in our own day and age. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, Calvin had his own protege, you know. Um, so I think everybody should have their own protege. They should. Um, I think Africa is blessed in that way, in that unique way, where they have, you know, you don't have to dig too deep to find, you know, your next protege or you, you know, your your next, you know, replacement, the future pastor, right? Here in America, I think that's becoming less and less uncommon, where maybe 30 years ago, that was probably um, a little bit more of the case where you don't have to dig too deep. Um, but because of the, the faith is declining in the West, um, like in, you know, England yep. and, uh, you know, in the United States, especially in certain spots of the United States, like Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, uh, you know, certain parts of New York, Washington, D.C. Those are hotbeds where, you know, where the church is basically just being you know, decline, you know, declining in terms of like finding, finding the right candidates for a deacon and for elders, you know, and that's where pastors or churches are having the most difficulty is, is here in the West is finding the, you know, a, a, a man of God who is spirit led, you know, filled, filled with the word of God and stuff like that. Um, it looks like there in Africa, I think that's a little bit more uh, fertile ground. It sounds like, um, but, you know, get, get, get into a scenario of planting a church. What is the process of planting a church in Zambia? Yeah, well, uh, there are two ways, two main ways. Uh, one is that um, a group of believers, um, a family or two, who are in a place where they don't have a good, solid church, and therefore you um, you encourage them to begin meeting and evangelizing in the area. And in due season from there, uh, the numbers begin to pick up. And with time, they constitute into a church. That's one way 
and theirs may even call somebody to come and pastor them. You may help with finances for the new pastor because they, they don't have the capacity, they're still very few, but it began almost like a natural outcome of a few believers in an area who have um, a knowledge, for instance, of the doctrines of grace, and therefore they're not likely to be comfortable in a lot of these you know, health and wealth kind of Pentecostal churches. And so you come alongside them. But another way is where we, we deliberately strategize. We, we, we can see that there's a new area we need to plant a church there, and we do have the right man, and we set that person apart to actually go and get a church planted in that area. And those are a number of churches that we, we've also been planting, literally from scratch, sending a man and his wife uh, to go and get a work going from scratch. Um, currently, my own local church, we are planting roughly about 17 or 18 churches. We've done another 17 or 18 churches already, which are, as I speak, independent churches now. And these are not just within Africa, I mean, not just within Zambia, but also in a number of uh, countries in Africa, uh, Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Malawi, um, all the way to Rwanda, um, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, and so on. Just seeing these churches planted as we send men out to go and plant churches. And then part of it, we raise the finances within our own membership. And then part of it, we partner with uh, organizations like Heart Cry, Missionary Society, and then also with churches that then help us financially as we see these men laboring away in the mission field to plant New Testament churches. Amen. And, and uh, that is uh, a huge success story. That's exciting to see. Like I said before, it sounds like you're in the, in the front row of the kingdom moving. And, 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 you know, not to say that, you know, the kingdom's not moving in the United States because there is movement here in the United States, except it's, you know, for the large part, you know, from Alaska all the way to Florida, Florida, New York, New York to Texas, California, and all the way to, you know, to Washington, D.C., it seems like there's a stagnation, you know what I mean, of, of growth, mm -hmm. of, of the frequency, should I say, of planting churches, you know what I mean? Um, the status quo seems to be like, well, you know, as, as long as I keep the ecclesiastical peace, that's all I got to do, you know? And it's like, that, that, that kind of attitude gets to me a little bit. This, it's cringeworthy, you know, when, when, a, when, when there's ministries and pastors out there that just are comfortable with where they're at. They're, they're, they, they arrive, quote unquote, you know, to the top of, you know, Mount Sinai or Mount Calvary or whatever you want to call it, you know. You know and unfortunately, I, I hate to say it, but America is rich in a lot of different ways of the definition of the word enrich right mm. you know, of wealth um sometimes health you know all these things you know so money you know for a lot of people in the united states is not a thing and it, and it almost seems to be like that 
maybe one of the problems, there's no need for God because you're self-reliant, you know, there's no need to go to church or, you know, you know, once the church is planted here in a nice area, you know, you get 400 members, you know, that's good enough. You know what I mean? And maybe you throw, a, you know, a few thousand into a mission somewhere and, you know, once a year, that's fine. You know what I mean? So like, what, what, what would be your message to those kind of pastors, to those kind of ministries that are stagnating, that are, that are accepting the arrival attitude mentality in, in most American churches? Yeah, well, I think the basic idea is to recognize that the church is not ours. It belongs to Christ. And Christ is on an agenda. And our job as church leaders is to be relevant to his agenda. Uh, so it's not about providing a place where Christians can be comfortable and enjoy themselves as they go to church and come home and go to church and come home. It's the fact that um, he gave the marching orders, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. But it's all beginning with make disciples of all nations. Uh, it's, it's preach the gospel to the whole of creation. And literally every generation needs to be re-evangelized. When you are not functioning at that rate, inevitably you lose ground. And that's really what's happening largely in the Western world. So the task is that of evangelism and church planting. And that's reaching people, more and more people. And then going beyond the next neighborhood, going beyond the next city, going beyond the next country, and reaching the, the ends of the earth. That's Christ's marching orders. And if a church is not actively pursuing that, that church is being disobedient to its master, to its Lord, to its head. And uh, I think those of us who are in church leadership need to recognize that. I remember when we were beginning to get involved in missions, I only had one fellow elder who has since gone to glory. And the members were up in arms saying, no, we don't have a church building. We, we don't have enough leaders. Uh, we don't have the money. At that time, we had to borrow money to pay for my own rentals and so on. But the two of us who, who were elders insisted that this is not an optional extra. This is part of why we exist. Therefore, we can't postpone it until we have so many other things. We're supposed to be doing it in parallel while we are also developing those things. Until the members finally said, well, you are leaders, leaders. And that's how we began getting involved in the work of missions. And that's the mindset that church leaders need to have. Very powerful, very powerful. Because that right there just drops bombs on all our comfort, all our luxury, all our status, our privileges, our freedoms and rights. As much as they are a blessing, they can also be a curse. You know what I mean? They, 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 they can... They could free us. They could also chain us um, here in the West. Um, and, 
yeah, you know, I think that's perfectly well said. Um, you know, I say amen and amen on that um, all the time. Um, you know, that's the kind of cup we need to be drinking, you know, that I'm not satisfied, you know, like John Knox, give me all of Scotland or I die. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. So let's, let's, exactly. um, let's go back to your book real quick as we summarize, um, just, you know, so people could find your book. Give us a, you know, like a two minute summary of what your book is about real quick. Yeah, well, uh, the book is entitled God's Design for the Church, subtitled A Guide for African Pastors and Ministry Leaders. So I specifically wrote it for, <clears throat> I specifically wrote it for Africa because that's where the greatest need is but it's a book that applies anywhere in the world because it brings out biblical principles for various areas of church life. It teaches about the founder and head of the church, the task of the church, the uh, church membership, the importance of the gospel to every church, um, the leadership of the church, the ordinances of the church, the worship of the church, the financing of the church, the work of missions in the church, the training of pastors, church discipline, and so on. So all these vital areas of church life are covered in this book that's uh, just under 300 pages long, and it's available. It's published under Crossway. So, you know, you can get it on Amazon and all the other major uh, internet sites that uh, sell books. So as you choose which site, you'll find that some places have a lower price than others, and you can buy it from there. So that's what the book is all about. Came out last year, and uh, if you anybody listening to this podcast knows, especially of African pastors anywhere on the continent, I would encourage you to purchase this book and send it to them. You don't know what it will do for them, what it will do for reforming their churches and the impact it might have for the continent and indeed in due season as we become the major missionary force in the world. Wow, what it might do for the world. Thank you. Awesome. So as we wrap up, you know, once again, I appreciate you um, for coming on. You know, I would love to have you again, maybe in the future on a different topic. But once again, I appreciate your time and your work and your dedication to the church in Africa and how that is going to impact the world one day. Um, maybe if Christ tarries 200 years from now, you know, somebody will write a new church history book on what happened in the West and how Africa played into that change and that reformation and sending thousands of missionaries into the United States, <laughs> into Europe. Isn't that amazing? So I'm really, I'm really excited, you know, to, um, to see that hopefully in my lifetime, but if it doesn't, you know, maybe in the future, um, that history book, that future Christian history book will have that in the footnote, um, you know, in the introductory in chapter two or something, you know, that is history waiting to be made right now so once again don't don't forget to subscribe to bible theory share this with your friends and family um, and go ahead and support the mission 
in Zambia, if you know anybody in your friends, your neighborhood, in your churches um, that are from Zambia or somebody they know from Zambia, um, have them purchase this book, God's Design for the Church. Beautiful book. I recommend it. So, And don't forget to go ahead and send support to Pastor Conrad and Bodhi. Check out Bodhi as well. Um, so once again, Pastor Conrad, thank you so much for your time and energy. I appreciate you. May God continue to bless you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye.